Hey everybody, this is Brian Brodeur, and I am happy to have actor, producer, writer Alex Aldea sitting in, guest hosting for me for a few sessions. He'll have some great conversations with creative professionals and independent film luminaries, so take it away, Alex. This is Alex Aldea, guest hosting for East Main Media Podcast Series, and I am here today with Francesco Nuzzi one of the two partners of Open Iris Entertainment. Frank and I have worked on a couple of projects together, and I'm very, very happy to have him here. So thank you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. So, you know, we can start talking about you a little bit and then get into Open Iris and all that kind of good stuff. So Always the most difficult thing for me to talk about myself, but let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So you're what a do you want to know? Well, you're a SAG actor. Yes. And you've been a SAG actor for a while. I've been an unemployed SAG actor for a while. <laughs> no need to get into that. Or maybe we should get Why into not? that. Why not? You know what? That's, that, that's, that, that's, it's uh, the truth. <laughs> that's an unfortunate reality of the acting world to a great extent on both coasts. Yes. And l- let's be honest. There's a lot of I joined too young. There. I know I joined too young. Mm-hmm. I joined SAG after, it was actually after at the time, mm-hmm. right out of college. I think it was actually, I was still in college. Okay. I was like my freshman or sophomore year. God, I hate going back in time. I'm 37. Oh, I'm about to turn 37 years old, 36 right now. <laughs> You're um, a young man. So this is going back 14, 15 years. I was 20. Sure. No, I was 21. It's 21 years old. I went to Salve Regina University mm-hmm. up in Newport, Rhode Island. Okay. And I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I went up there to play soccer. It was one of the only schools that accepted me into college. <laughs> I was a lost soul, and I discovered theater mm-hmm. at the school. My first show I ever auditioned for was A Midsummer Night's Dream, oh, Shakespeare. Great. Fantastic. I didn't know a lick of Shakespeare. I wasn't really a good reader in high school. Mm-hmm. The most reading I ever did was video games, ever. Just like those long RPGs, seeing all the text. That's my, actually quite a bit of reading, it is. It or not. And I would argue with my mom all the time. I'd be like, well, I'm reading like hours and hours and hours of dialogue sure. across the screen. So long story short, I discovered theater. I wanted to become an actor. It was in my blood. Mm-hmm. I found something in me on stage that I didn't have in my regular life. So I was all excited. I started getting headshots. I was doing the whole thing. I auditioned in New York and I got a small little recurring job on Guiding Light. I was like 21 years old. Guiding Light, for those that don't know, is of course a long, long, long running soap opera. Yes, During the day. and they're all yeah, gone now because now everything is. Are they all gone? General Hospital, I think, is still going in L.A. I don't know what else. All is. my children hasn't been my go-to daytime television. So, I became a must-join for after. I had to join the union sure. after a certain number of gigs, and I was still in college, so I couldn't take every job that they were offering me to go and shoot because I was up at school in Rhode Island. Yeah. And I was young and stupid, and I probably should have taken the long drive down to New York to go back on set. But, you know, it was a lot to ask a college kid that's doing theater pretty much every day. So I got myself pigeonholed, essentially, in the union, in AFTRA. And then when they merged, and this is jumping a few years now, I was in L.A. at the time, still trying to break in. I decided, because I was grandfathered in through AFTRA, I should join SAG, because there was more opportunity. 
And then before I knew it, I was in both unions. Now, just to wrap up for the folks at home that may not know what all these various unions are and relate to, even though they are one union now, after was the old television union. So everything that was on TV and obviously your soap opera work, that all had to do with AFTRA. The American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. There you go. And, of course, SAG is a Screen Actors Guild, so they had to do with everything that used film and that was actually a movie, in essence. Yeah. And now those two unions are together, and they charge a semi-ridiculous amount of money to join. I think it's $3,000 right now to, yeah, to join up. Yeah, about three. But, for, for a young, starving actor or actress to want to get into the industry. And I will tell you this. I just found in my piles of paper at home my actual pay stub from Blue Bloods. Because apparently that's what I need to send yeah. to them as proof that I did a thing. Like IMDb doesn't work. The fact that I took pictures of all of my papers, the vouchers, going everything, in doesn't work. You need to send the you your know. contract. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not trying to buy an Encyclopedia Britannica in the '80s. I'm trying to sign up for the Screen Actors Guild. And they're like, Nope, you got to send that with a self-addressed stamped envelope. I said, Okay, fine, I'll do what I got to do. But it's funny. Yeah. yeah. What can well, you do? now my union dues all go to the screeners for award season. Right and now. that's a that's a worthy <laughs> cause because that's pretty cool actually. In fact, I have a friend who shall remain nameless who's on the nominating committee for SAG. So now they get like all the best stuff because they get to nominate the best of the best for these SAG awards. So, but it's been fun. I mean, with Open Iris Entertainment mm. to segue. Yeah, let's um, talk about that. Our first feature that actually founded the company, Starcross Lovers. Mm -hmm. It's a modern day adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, which we are pretty much done with the remaster. We keep tinkering and toying, but we've put hours and hours of work into it. John Headland, who co-founded the company with me, mm -hmm. he was the director of photography and I directed the film. It actually was born, again, out of theater. Sure. I worked at this educational theater company called Pox Amicus Castle Shakespeare Rep in Bud Lake, New Jersey. And they would take high school students or eighth grade students and a field trip, they would come out to the castle and see live Shakespeare. Wow. And the castle used to run all three seasons. There used to be a fall show, there used to be a winter show, and there used to be a spring show. The winter show used to be a mix between Hamlet and Macbeth. They would switch between seasons. And then in the fall, they did an Edgar Allan Poe show. But every spring, it would be Romeo and Juliet. That was always the consistent Romeo and Juliet. So I worked there a number of years. I played pretty much every male part in the script except for Romeo. It's the one part I never played. And over the years, I met so many phenomenal actors that came through this little Shakespeare company sure. in the middle of Bud Lake, New Jersey, like Boondies, New Jersey. But if you ever go out there, you drive past Bud Lake, mm -hmm. and there's a castle sitting on the lake, and that's Pox Amicus. It's a little theater. If you get a chance, go over there. It's awesome. Hi, Stan. Um, <laughs> free plug. There's a little plug. There's free plug. It's actually in a castle. That's pretty awesome. And what a great opportunity for high school kids and, and kids of all ages to get a really good idea of Shakespeare. Yeah. And you would really see the difference between kids coming into the theater and then coming out of the theater. Mm -hmm. Half of them are just looking at it as a free day off from school. But then we hit them with some pretty solid Shakespeare and... It sparked a love in me from college, from my first thing I ever did being a Midsummer Night's Dream, and it followed me into my professional acting career. See, that's incredible. And obviously, you're seeing that with Hamilton these days of like being able to make 
something that's historical accessible. Now, they took a very different tack because I've seen parts of Starcross Lovers and how you guys adapted Romeo and Juliet to a modern audience to make it relevant, to make it fresh, to make it interesting. Yeah, that took about almost a year, six months to a year, to just get the script down to where I was happy, where I wasn't butchering the language too much because it's all Shakespeare. All I did was cut it and... Like, I look at Baz Luhrmann's with Leonardo DiCaprio. Which I personally like. I know we kind of differ on that a little but bit, but it's, I like it. It's, I mean, it's stylized. It's right. gorgeous. He did a tremendous job. Because it's what? Miami, right? They're in essentially so. yes. a very heightened reality. It just lost me in terms of some of the substance was, I felt, taken away from the style. Mm-hmm. It almost was too unrelatable to everyday people. Mm-hmm. It, it was so fantastical of a world that they lived in. I mean, it was still modern, but... I mean, you were talking about flamboyant, super rich, way over the top. Star Island, Miami yeah, type of like, yeah, families. Like, and, right. Just unrelatable. Sure. So I was very cognitive of when we started Starcross Lovers of making sure that it could feel like it could drop in anywhere. You could put this story anywhere in the suburbs, America. And that's to, to show a guy who's obviously uh, another Jersey guy who did the Jersey Chronicles, Kevin Smith. But his thing of clerks could have been anywhere in America. It didn't have to be in Jersey. It was so accessible. It's, it's a convenience store. That could be anywhere. Yeah. You know, things of that nature that's so accessible to... And that's why it works. That's yeah. why clerk works so well. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, Starcross Lovers. It's almost on. We premiered that at the 2016 Garden State Film Festival, which is coming up in March. It is. And we're obviously both going to. Yeah, and I'm going to be, be doing some hosting time. over there for... East Main Media while we're out there. So I'll I'll be talking to you and and hope so (laughs) doing some stuff. What are you going to be doing for Garden State? We have three films. Mm -hmm. We're debuting three new films. Greg Jolly's Been a While. Who was going to be here today and unfortunately had to turn around because we're having crazy weather. We are. And Been a While stars Sophia Parola Mm -hmm. and Andrew Hunziker. Andy Hunziker is a phenomenal actor yeah. out of Philadelphia. I've worked with him a couple of things. CNN original series, The Pope's Most Powerful Man That's in the World. That's right. That's your so connection with him. That's he, right. he played Well, actually, it's a second one. I, I worked on this other movie called Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me, which is an interesting like little horror thing that also happened down in Philadelphia. But Andy is, and I got to see him work, and he is, he's a titan. Yes, I mean, he is. he is phenomenal. Yes. Absolutely phenomenal. Love to have him on just, the show. I got just talk the to him amount of that. energy and just the emotionality. Like he just emotes. Like you could see that when he gets into his performance, that he is in those shoes. But honestly, I'm a fan of yours, man. I oh, mean, thanks, I've seen buddy. your work, and you're amazing. So I mean, you know, I think you're selling yourself short with this whole unemployed actor thing. <laughs> well, it's just it's just the unfortunate truth of you know. I mean, well, I you, also st- I, you're I also playing out. Mr. Mom right now. I am. And, and you, I am. You, you have a four-year-old raising, and a two-year-old. Raising two girls, and, <laughs> and that's not an easy thing, and it's a wonderful thing. But uh, you're going to obviously— I, I keep know. having visions of grandeur of dropping about 30 pounds and bulking up and getting back out there. Maybe go hit those Arnold parts that I missed out in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do, a do great, <laughs> you do a great Arnold Schwarzenegger. Stop which, it. Stop it. <laughs> That's amazing. Get down with the interview. <laughs> so, um, but let's. So, so seriously, get on with it. Okay, I'm, I'm getting on with it. All right. Um, so. <laughs> oh, so anyway, so Garden State Film Festival. Yeah. Um, we also have this fun little short with Heather Britton O'Scanlan called Masterclass Acting with Doors. It's a Masterclass is, of course, masterclass.com. It's a play on yeah. that where yeah, they have a, full a bunch of, of different... Yeah, it's the trailer 
of the supposed class. Right. And it features Heather Brittnell Scanlon, who is awesome. And She's fun. such a, an amazing actress as well and, and just a great person who we obviously both know. And she's an integral part of the Garden State Film Festival as yeah. well. So, And then we have Troll, which I directed, stars Greg Jolly, Greg Jolly. and Michelle Lyman. Mm-hmm. And that's about, it's a little psychological thriller about a mother who finds and confronts the internet bully that she feels influenced her son into committing suicide. So it's a little Which dark, is a, that's heavy, a dark topic. timely yeah. discussion because it's happening everywhere. It sure is. Bullying is a thing. Well, I certainly had to deal with it when I was in school to a great extent. And I don't know if you did, but that's yeah. something that, that think every, certainly left me with some scars. Sure. To a great extent. It certainly contributed and, to the person I am today. And I think it also leaves the scars on the people that are the bullies. Because I think there's this underlying, like there's something going on deeply in typically those people's lives that are affecting them so that they act out in that behavior. It's like everyone's the victim of bullying. The person who's bullying the child or man or woman, whoever, that's getting bullied. Mm -hmm. And then the people around them. Because it's just like this domino effect of who's getting affected. You bring up an amazing point. I just had dinner with a friend that I hadn't seen in 20 years. And she's, you know, somebody I went to high school with. And she's an amazing fitness guru now, and she does music and everything like that. And one of the most popular girls in school. I actually kidded her. I said, man, I get to have dinner with the hottest girl in school, you know, kind of, which was kind of a fun thing. But I didn't know some of the things that she had to struggle with when she was in school, being one of the quote-unquote popular kids, or some of the other people that were bullies and they just had horrible home lives and everything else that, that, that went along with it. And, you know, I just saw things from my perspective, but sure. I didn't necessarily and see all things really from the know. other perspective. Yep. It's really and, uh, hard to do that. There's a script that a buddy of mine wrote that is all about bullying, and uh, I'm going to show it to you because I think maybe we should think about making it. We'll be right back to the conversation after this brief message from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. Visit jlc-accounting.com. And by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. So, Open Iris, you guys make movies. So that's, we do. that's an amazing thing. And a TV series including Mercs. Mercs. Let's talk about some Mercs. Featuring the one and only <laughs> Alexandru Aldea. Aw, isn't that nice? See, yeah, that was yeah. an awesome shoot. So much fun. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, we dealt with some weather. We filmed two days outside in the cold mm-hmm. on a farm. Yeah, give a quick preview as to what Mercs is and how that came yeah, around. Um, Mercs started, it's the brainchild of John Hedlund and Keith Bishop. Mm-hmm. They've been tossing around this idea for years. I mean, we've been busy filming Starcross Lovers, and then we went into some shorts, and then we were filming stuff for clients. And this idea, Merck's kept just festering in his mind. It seemed like like he kept bringing it up, like, "Hey, I want to do this," mm-hmm. and I kept telling him, "I was like, just you know, write it and do it. Like, if you write it, we're gonna do it. Yeah, so just write it." And <laughs> eventually, he wrote it, and it just matched up perfectly. You fit the main villain, thank you, of the pilot. So beautifully. I don't know what that says um, about me, but fine. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, you got that demeanor about you, Alex. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> and then, yeah, everything just kind of spiraled through. Mercs is about, it's it's an acronym for military experts recruited for cash services. Mm-hmm. 
and it's kind of a throwback to a 1980s action flick. Yeah. Many, many action flicks, really. It's an amalgam, sort of, right? Yeah. I think it's a bit tongue-in-cheek. But it kind of laughs at itself a little bit. And I think you have to. Yeah. You have to. It's a little campy. Um, Not too campy, though. I think there's some interesting points, and there's some very poignant scenes that are in it that are a lot of fun. I mean, you and I know the events of what happened sure. within the pilot, which... We've signed that DNA, DNA, NDA. NDA. <laughs> We've signed the NDA, so we can't reveal what, no, what can't happens. Reveal, but, but folks, you will see it soon. There's some intense. There's talks of it being done it. by April, so we'll see. That's up to John. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, John. Yeah, you're on blast, John. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Open Iris, John and I, we like to consider ourselves a one stop shop. Mm-hmm. We can go from conception to completion. If you have an idea, you want to come shoot with us. We'll develop your idea. We'll we'll try to get you to the next step. Because for anybody outside of filmmaking, there's so many steps required to complete a film. Sure. You have your just infancy, I have an idea stage. Mm-hmm. And then you take that I have an idea stage and you move it into a writing stage. And then you take it out of the writing stage and you're like, all right, let's go to pre-production. And the first step of pre-production is let's raise as much money as the production requires which is the most difficult part of any film is financing so you, let's talk a little bit about that because you're facing that right now with enzo yes which is your second feature film yeah co-written uh, f- by open iris's second feature film and it's called big enzo's wedding yeah and it's co-written by yourself and wally wally marzano lesnovich yes and, and lindsey and so. atkins lesnovich lesnovich now. So, um, hi, Wally, by the way, if you're listening. Hey, buddy. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's a feature film, and can you talk about it? Sure. We're in pre-production. Mm-hmm. We are partnered up right now with Lindsay Black of Garnet Girl, who's an amazing producer. John Headland, Wally, and I, the four of us are the producers on the film. We're trying to raise money for production. We have a couple of people attached. I'm not sure if I'm exactly allowed to say who yet. We're planning to film in New Jersey. It's kind of a Jersey story. It's about a father, Enzo, Lorenzo, who's going back to Big Enzo's wedding, his father's second marriage. Mm -hmm. He's getting remarried. But the caveat, the thing that's kind of getting inside his head is that this time he's he's getting married to a man. Mm -hmm. So it's just thrown his whole life perspective like out of whack because he can't really handle the situation. And it's a nice little inner family dynamic story about this guy going back trying to rework the relationships he has with his father, his sister, his now, I guess, future second dad. And he's 40 years old. So it's a real, I don't know if we can curse on here, a real cluster F. Um, (laughs) Because it's really affecting his mental well-being. He just can't process it. Sure. And of course, you're talking about some interesting paradigms here of Jersey Italian family. Yes. Very traditional. And all of a sudden, you know, obviously the father comes out and he's now openly gay and yep. is having a wedding. And it's, it's fascinating. Fun. So it's a lot of interesting things to tackle there. Yeah, and it's fun. I mean, we have, you know, Shelly, who is the now ex-wife, who's the mother of the main character. You know, she's there, and you kind of see her, the way she's handling everything. So there's all these different little facets of, you know, intrigue that are happening throughout because the marriage, the wedding, is kind of the linchpin of what brought everyone back together. And the story is about all this whole family dynamic and where they're going to go through this journey of the weekend. 
and it's kind of fun. It's funny the parallel with this and Starcross Lovers is it takes place over a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. The movie is essentially over a wedding weekend, mm-hmm. so it's about three, four days in length. So it's kind of fun. You kind of get dropped into the story. You're shown this beautiful story, and then you're taken back out. It's like, all right, go back on, find a new story to jump back into. That's that'll be a lot of fun. I hope we raise the money. Yeah. If anybody's interested, please reach out to me at www.openirisentertainment.com. There you go. I was just going (laughs) to ask you, plug some of your social media stuff. So where can people find you? Where can they find you yourself? And then where can they find Open Iris? On Instagram, at Nutsibynature, N-U-Z-Z-I-B-Y-N-A-T-U-R-E. And then we're at Open Iris Entertainment on Instagram. Yeah. And it might be Open Iris Ent on Twitter. I think, yeah, if you go Twitter's, to our, Twitter's always shorter. Yeah, but if you go to our website, openirisentertainment.com, you can find all the links to all of our social media everywhere. Just taking it back a little bit because yeah, of talk your very early entrance into AFTRA and then into SAG, what would you have to say to a young man or woman that's getting involved in acting for the first time? Do you have any advice as a sort of veteran actor? I would say two things. Mm-hmm. One is... Audition for everything, Mm -hmm. especially if you don't have anything on your reel. I mean, they're two different worlds. Film is one world, and theater is another world. They're just two completely different things. So for theater actors, I would say just go out and audition, hit the pavement, and hopefully you find the the right theater. Hopefully they're paying, because theater is even worse than low-budget indie film in terms of paying sometimes. (laughs) A lot of community theater out there. And just keep going. Like, take every experience as a learning, growing, educational experience for what it is. On the film side, again, go audition. But I would say the biggest thing is never doubt yourself. Sometimes you go into an audition and you feel like crap. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that didn't go well. Right. But sometimes you feel that way and you get the part. Sure. And then there's times you go into an audition, you come out of it, and you're like, that was the best audition I've had in my life. And then there's nothing. There's no response. There's not even an email. There's nothing. You're just left in the dark to, to deal with your emotions. <laughs> to just deal with the yeah, fallout of like, what happened. What there. just happened. Right. Um, being on the other side now, more and more of casting and everything, it's never about talent. I mean, talent helps. Talent earns you the role. But most of the time, it's the look. You fit the role Every director, every casting director has a vision in their head of who these characters are. And they take that vision and they're looking for it in human people that can bring that vision to life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happened with 4.44 a.m. just from a personal level and Troll, two films that I directed. Michelle Lyman, who I cast in Troll, mm-hmm. auditioned for 4.44 a.m. Sure. To play the mother in 4.44 a.m. And she was fantastic. But we went a different way with the character. And this is where talent wins out sometimes. She was so good in that role. When I started conceiving Troll and thinking about it and wanting to put it forward, I already started thinking of Michelle mm-hmm. from her audition from 4.44 a.m. And that's the thing about auditioning. If you go out there and you're just hitting the pavement, you may not get that role that you go and audition for. But that audition could seriously open up the door for another potential role. With sure. those people in the room, with the director, who knows? Somebody you might see that's an actor friend that's at the audition, that's talking about something else that's going on. Like, there's just this interconnection, networking 
just putting yourself out there, that's just going to help. So if I have any advice to any actor or actress out there, just go audition. If you don't put yourself out there, you're never going to get anything. And a great big thank you to Alex Aldea for sitting in guest hosting for me on the East Main podcast. Stay tuned next week for part two of his conversation. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of East Main Media. Special thanks to audio engineer J.P. Conk and senior producer Kayla Galka. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a good rating. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com. And thanks for listening.